Amen. Let's go to John chapter 15, if you would. And I'm going to ask for a handful of men or women to pray uh, over a specific topic in just a few moments. So be ready for that, if you would. Uh, John chapter 15, verse 13, uh, is where we're going to start tonight. We won't really spend a lot of time in there. Really, you're just going to find it, uh, in my opinion, the heartbeat of what tonight's meeting is about. Um, how many of you have ever heard of a war room uh, or a war room meeting? That's a, a word that kind of has made its rounds in the last probably decade or so. Uh, current day, it primarily means a bunch of planners uh, who are leading a company come into a room and have some kind of staff meeting uh, where they plan out the vision or the mission of the said company. Uh, but it originates, the idea of a war room meeting originates uh, all the way back in the early 1900s, but was made very popular by a man named Winston Churchill uh, during World War II. And and uh, he would stage a room with large tables that had maps of the current theaters of war and uh, updated numbers of troops and where they were pushing and where they were pressing. And the general idea of a war room meeting was to gather the minds uh, and the leaders in the same space to talk about the strategy and plan for how they were going to win the war. And uh, so tonight, again, a bit of a different service. I, I want to treat this evening uh, like a war room meeting with the leaders of Faith Baptist Church. And if you're here tonight, uh, you're a leader of Faith Baptist Church, and uh, you are a co-laborer with Jesus Christ, a co-laborer with all of us in the process of reaching our community uh, with the Great Commission. Now, this is especially true of the crowd seated in front of me tonight. Um, the, the people in the room on a Sunday night at Faith Baptist Church are not consumer in their relationship with Faith Baptist Church. I can say that assuredly. You are the people who are the laborers, the strength. You're the prayer warriors. Uh, you're the folks probably, and again, I don't know who gives or who gives what, but you're probably the ones who give, and uh, you're the ones that I wanted to talk to tonight about engaging in this, this uh, upcoming Sunday uh, for the sake of the Great Commission. And so let me say this, you're our team. You're the team of Faith Baptist Church. And uh, I know this, you're in my corner, and I want you to know that I'm in your corner. And uh, I need the power of God on my life this week as I get ready to mount the pulpit next Sunday morning and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to your family and friends and hopefully my family and friends. And I want to invite you to pray for me as I'll preach. I want you to be in my corner. And I want you to know this, I'm committing to you tonight that I'm in your corner this week. Because just like I need the power of God, you need the power of God on your life as well. And uh, one of the primary reasons for that is how the invitation is going to be handled this year as opposed to other services that we have done uh, in the past. And so I think we can all agree tonight that next Sunday is a big deal. And next Sunday's a big deal, not because we're shooting at some record. I, I really am so beyond that. I don't, I don't care if there's 200 people here next Sunday or 300 or 500 people here next week. We're, we're not shooting for attendance. We're not giving out hot dogs or hot Cheetos. Uh, we're inviting our family and our friends to come and hear the message of Jesus Christ. And so it's a big deal next Sunday. And I hope that we approach this week. We've got about seven days, six days or so, between now and when we stand and sit in this auditorium and the gospel goes forward and your family and friends hear the gospel message. And so uh, I want you to understand that, that we are shooting and praying for something big. Not again in numerics, but in terms of folks being saved. We, we desire for people to be regenerated by the working of Jesus. We desire for the Holy Spirit to be drawing them this week and bringing them to a place where they can understand what it means to get saved. And I'm praying for your siblings this week. Uh, uh, I've talked to a handful of you who are inviting your sister or your brother this next week, and I want you to know that I'm praying for you. I want you to have God's power on your life as you talk to these people. Uh, I want to preach as clear a message as possible so that your neighbors and my neighbors will hear the gospel 
gospel uh, in an unobstructed environment. That's my hope and my prayer, and I hope that it's yours as well. Uh, I wish, and, and this is obviously not possible, but just kind of hear my heart. I wish that we could just have Jesus stand up here next Sunday. I really do. I wish that Jesus could stand up here and they could see him for who he is and that they could hear him speak and that, that he could stand on his own two feet in a very literal way in front of them. But that's not the method of ministry that God has chosen for us. Uh, in fact, Christ said, I'm going away. The comforter is going to come and that's expedient for you. It's needful for you so the Holy Spirit could come. And what I, again, while I wish that Jesus could stand in front of your family members next week, what God has chosen is the foolishness of preaching. God shows the heralding of this sacred book to the human heart and ear so that they might hear the gospel and the Holy Spirit might convict them and draw them to him for salvation. And so God has chosen this process that we're about to embark upon as a church family for next Sunday. And uh, uh, the purpose of tonight is to onboard you to the process of being the preachers next week. Now, obviously, I know that I'll be the one preaching the main service in the English. Brother Escobar will be preaching the main service in the Spanish. And so we covet your prayer, certainly. But I want you to understand the heartbeat of tonight's service is that you would engage in the process of being a teammate on, on next Sunday. And this can be found, this idea is found in uh, John chapter 15, verse number 13. Would you look at it with me, if you would? John chapter 15, verse 13 says this. Christ is speaking to his disciples in the upper room uh, before his crucifixion, and he is essentially onboarding them to ministry uh, responsibilities. Notice what he says in John 15, 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. And here's the, the thought. Look at verse 15. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring uh, forth fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask in the, of the Father in my name, he may give it you. And so here as Christ is getting ready to leave, he has a, a bit of a war room meeting with the disciples. And he says, hey, listen, you're not just servants that serve in my house that don't know what I'm doing. You're my friends. You're my co-laborers. And he engages them in the process of reaching the world. And so here tonight, my heartbeat is not, again, as Christ to disciples, but as a pastor to his church family and his church team to say, hey, listen, I want you to know what we're doing. I want you to know what's coming next uh, Sunday. I want you to know how to prepare your heart and family, even during the weekdays, for what's supposed to happen next Sunday. And so we're going to take a very practical look at how we can get our hearts and our families families ready to be used by God in the events of next week. And so before we do that, I want to ask for volunteers. I need four people, uh, members of Faith Baptist Church, to pray over four different things. One, I need someone to pray over our visitors. Number two, I need someone to pray over the holdouts. And the holdout is the person you've invited that's still kind of like, ah, I don't know if I'm going to come or not. I want someone to dedicate a few moments of prayer just to asking God for that person's heart to be tenderized so that they might come. So number one, I need someone to pray for visitors who are going to come on this property. Number two, we need to pray for the people who are just on the edge of perhaps coming. Number three, we need to pray for the folks online. We're running an ad campaign for both Spanish and English. And I think as of this morning, it was something like 600 people in Bakersfield watched the video of True Purpose. And uh, pray for those folks that God would work in their heart and draw them to the church. And then number four, I need someone to pray for our Spanish families. So do I have a volunteer? You can shoot your hand up and tell me which of the four you want to pray for. Do I have a volunteer who can help us pray this evening? Brother Hunter, who are you praying for? Okay, I'm going to have you pray for the holdouts. Someone pray for visitors for me. Can you slip your hand up? 
Somebody? All right. Brother Peter, someone's going to pray for uh, the online family, uh, Brother Ronnie, and then our Spanish family. Do I have somebody who can pray for us for our Spanish family that they would come as well? All right, Michael, thank you for doing that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, Brother Hunter, if you'll lead us. And then we're going to dive into a bit of, uh, we're going to unpack the schedule, what you can expect, practically speaking, and then spiritually speaking, how can we be prepared for it? So let's pray. Yes, Lord. Lord, I pray that as you're lifted up, you're drawing into you, that they would see the death, what you've done for us, and that God, they would see the goodness and salvation you've offered for you accepted. Uh, Lord, we're grateful that you trusted us with that message, that we get to be the ones who deliberate us the lost and those who need it. Lord, we pray that those folks who have been binded, that you would do the work behind the Lord and inside of the world. Lord, as we've been faithful to you, our heart, sometimes it feels faithful to do what we can. I pray God that you can draw in to you. Uh, Lord, I pray for those, specifically those individuals, God, who have reservations. And maybe they have a bad church experience or doubt confusion, or uh, maybe they believe a lie. I don't know what the obstacle may be, but there may be something in their way keeping them from wanting to be connected. Lord, I pray that this will work. In a supernatural way to remove those barriers. Uh, God, I pray that you would use your people that, that help to encourage them to come. I, I pray that you would mobilize your church this week to, uh, to maybe uh, extend another invitation and yes. welcome them and, and extend a friendly, kind word to them and, and try to help ease some of the maybe fears that they might have, the timidness that they fear. God, I pray, God, that, that you, would, you would put it in their Talk to God. I pray that they have a double machine. They, they just can't get away from it. Yes. I pray that the questions that were on the invitation and in the video, God, would begin to prick their mind and their heart, God, to, to answer the questions of what does all of this even mean? Or what is the purpose of Jesus? Why did Jesus come? And, and why are we here? What is the meaning of life? And those questions, God, would begin to grow in their mind and that, uh, God, you would begin to pull them to the answer. And that will be for them. God, I pray that those visitors and those people who come, that as they hear the message of God, they will respond, they will be in Heavenly Father, I just want to say thank you for allowing us, you know, to even uh, do do something like this uh, for your glory, Lord. We thank you for that. Um, ask that you please, uh, for the visitors, that everybody that will be coming, Lord, ask that you please uh, uh Fill pastor with the boldness so that he can preach your word, Lord, uh, so that it, it it can be as clear of a gospel to them as possible, that they be touched and they understand that they're a sinner needing you uh, to go to heaven, Lord. I pray that you help them with that. I pray that you, you allow us, you know, for the ones that maybe have questions, have some doubts, you know, don't, don't really understand certain things, that uh, you allow us to be filled with the Holy Spirit and uh, to show them from your word. You know, afterward, maybe on a one-on-one -on -one, uh, to show them, hey, what what the Bible says, you know, about this or whatever it may be, whatever it may be that they're they're struggling with them inside themselves, Lord. I pray that yeah, you be with us uh, uh, next week, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Dear Father, thank you for everything you've done for us. Most importantly, thank you for your salvation, which you have given us freely through the blood of Jesus Christ, Lord. And we pray, we thank you for... All for the people that are coming for true purpose, for the English, but also pray for the Spanish in the ministry, Lord. I pray that you give Pastor Escobar the wisdom and uh, the speech 
as he gives the gospel in another language to the people in clear scripture and with clear knowledge. And we pray that the Spanish people, they receive it with gladness, Lord. And we pray that the Spanish people, they they will want to come, Lord, and they will want to hear the gospel and they want to get saved. And then hopefully be followers of you, Lord, and be disciples and start a new generation of Spanish speakers, Lord, in this church. And we thank you for everything you've done for us. And let us be uh, protected as uh, for next week for a true purpose. In the same prayer, amen. Father, we come before you and we thank you for your great power, Lord. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for the fact that we have a church that you've put here in our Jerusalem, Lord. And there's a lot of people that are watching, listening, and we thank you for the technology that you've allowed us to be able to be a part of, Lord. There was a time when your word has never changed, but you said that every eye should see when you return, Lord. And those days are coming closer. With the flick of a, of a button, people can see things live from around the world. And we thank you for those 600 people that have watched the video of invitation to come. I ask, Lord, that you please break down the barriers. Holy Spirit, for whatever reason that they're there, if they're disabled, if they're just apprehensive, maybe they have been hurt. I ask that you please break their hearts, Lord, and help them to come here so that they can hear your clear gospel. And if they're unable to, I ask that I, I thank you that your power is not limited by location, Lord that if they are going to be listening, that they can still receive the wonderful gift of salvation and that your Holy Spirit can still work. So I ask that you please just give freedom, Lord, for your Holy Spirit to do its work in every single one of those lives. And we thank you for everything you've done for us, Lord. Amen. Amen. So war room meeting, one of my favorite things to do each week on Monday is that we have our staff meeting with our, our pastoral staff and just go over some different things about the week and plan. And uh, we're required to bring a way to take notes, whether that's on our phone or our iPad or a, uh, I'm, I think I'm the only guy that actually uses a handwritten thing. And, uh, but if, if you're going to take notes, tonight's the night to do it. And let me say this too. Next week, when you ask pastor, what's the schedule? I'm just going to refer you to watch the live stream tonight. And uh, we're going to go over all the details. We're going to start first with the schedule and uh, just a really kind of nuts and bolts. Here's, here's what we're doing. Here's what's coming. Here's how you can get engaged. And then we're going to move more toward the spiritual side of making sure that our hearts are ready for it. So I hope you're ready. I hope you're listening. I hope to onboard you, not just as an attender next Sunday, but as a teammate, ready, give me the ball, put me in coach kind of thing. I hope that's our approach tonight. So we got a lot of things to discuss about next Sunday, but let's start with the timeline. Uh, starting at 10 a.m., there is no Sunday school. You say, Pastor, why is there no Sunday school? Well, partly and probably the least reason, but uh, we have some setup that we have to do. I think most of that will be done early in the morning by most of the staff, but mainly we're having no Sunday school uh, because we I desire to give you the opportunity to come to church with them. Um, and I don't know if you've considered that an idea, but it's certainly an option. And so what I hope for you to do next week is to invite your friend, invite your neighbor, invite your sister and say, hey, I can pick you up on my way to church. Well, if you're already here at 10 or you're a Sunday school teacher or you're in a class, you're not going to be able to do that. And so for that reason, we've decided there will be no Sunday school at 10 a.m. so that you can either come with them or meet them in the parking lot. And uh, if you're a member of faith, you know, I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to kind of pick on us tonight. If you're a visitor, uh, I love our building. 
thing. I love what God has done, but it's kind of hard to figure out where the front door is sometimes. Our, our church family knows that. And uh, we'll have people who show up with packages and they'll knock on the back door. Uh, they don't know which door to go into. And I don't, I, I think we are probably used to that. But on that Sunday morning, if we've got guests coming, I want to encourage you to be ready, to be communicating with them, to meet them at the front, 1045, be here, be on time. Okay, we'll talk about that in a minute. But 10 a.m., there's no Sunday school. 11 a.m. will be the main service. There will be nursery, there will be junior and primary churches. The only thing that will be different is there will be no Spanish service in the back. And uh, so that can be overflow for our church family, and we may need to use that. And we'll talk about that in just a second. But during the 11 a.m. hour, here's what our Spanish family is going to be doing. Our Spanish family is going to be cooking the hamburgers and hot dogs and getting the plates ready. And uh, when the service dismisses, they'll be serving. And then at 1 o'clock, we're going to switch with them, and we're going to cook, and we're going to serve them just as a great way of binding the families together. But the heartbeat is that we would serve uh, 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 during that hour as a, uh, as a church member, whether that's we're in the Spanish ministry and outside or here in the, uh, the main service. But the heartbeat again is that we would have the gospel presented as clear as possible, both in the service and then after the service as well. So again, pray for me, pray for Brother Escobar, and I'm praying for you because you're going to have a part in that. And that's where it brings us to our invitation time. The invitation this particular Sunday on True Purpose Sunday is going to be in the hands of of the church family. Um, I, I won't be saying that from the pulpit, but I want you to know that now. And so next Sunday, as the service winds down and I finish preaching and heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I'm not going to announce, okay, church family, get them, but okay, church family, get them, okay? And uh, so I want you to know that ahead of time. Um, we'll be, I'll be leading them, Lord willing, if God allows, and again, please pray for me. I'll be leading them toward a decision in Christ. We'll be uh, putting the, the theology out there as clear as we can. Um, I'll show you my text in just a minute, so I'm gonna let you in, because again, you're not servants, you're friends, you're co-laborers in this week, and so I'm gonna show you my text so you know where we're, the, the service is going. But I want you to be sitting next to them. We'll talk about that also in just a little bit. And I want you to be working, creating a relationship before service even starts. So that way, during the invitation, you are ready to help them make a decision. My goal is, as the preacher that morning, and same for Brother Escobar, is to present the plan of salvation with as clear a, a way as possible, uh, where hopefully, as a church member, you're just reaping. You're just helping them make a decision. You're helping them know, hey, if you'll place your faith and trust in Christ and pray and accept Christ as Savior, uh, my goal is to get it to where all you have to do is push the ball, as it were, over the, uh, the, the line, uh, if, if we're going to use that illustration. So that's 11 a.m. service, and we'll come back to how to be ready for it spiritually in a minute. But then there's 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock noon, lunch is going to be served in the courtyard. And uh, you might not realize this, but we've not promoted that at all. It's not on the track. It's not a selling point. We're not trying to convince people to come to get free food. Uh, The purpose of the meal is singular. It is not to feed you, though I love you, Faith Baptist Church, and I, I hope you ate well this week. The purpose of the meal is to create an opportunity for you to share the gospel with your visitor or someone who came to church that afternoon. And so let's do our best to be in a spiritual uh, spirit of intentionality. And uh, as we get ready for that Sunday, we're going to make a couple decisions in our heart ahead of time. Uh, this, this next Sunday is not about us. It's not about our best friend. It's not about our seat. It's not about having... You know, all of our families sit around the table in the courtyard. We got plenty of services where we do that. There's plenty of times where we can fellowship with our best friend or sit with our family and break bread, uh, hang out with the staff and things like that. My goal for next Sunday, and really every Sunday, is that our entire church would be on mission. That you show up on property that day as a deputized minister of Jesus Christ, ready to share the gospel with the folks that come. And uh, being intentional about the visit.
visitors that you bring or being intentional about the visitors that come by themselves. This is a time for us to open up ourselves. And I know there are people in the room who are far more introverted. I married an introvert. Um, I, I get how that goes. But the fact of the matter is, this is a great opportunity to reach out to the people that God brings on our campus that day. So that's the service at uh, uh, 11 and then the lunch at, at uh, noon. But then 1 p.m. comes. And as I mentioned, that brings us to our Spanish Big Day opportunity. This will be a service opportunity for our English church family um, where we can begin to serve and cook and get stuff ready and, and so forth. Our conversations uh, will be coming to a close during that time. We'll start working in the parking lot. We'll start working for junior church. Um, I want to encourage all of our bilingual people to be ready for that second service. We'll, we'll get to that in just a second, but we're going to have to reset the dining area. There's going to be junior churches. There's going to be a nighttime nursery that'll happen at one o'clock. And so be mindful of that. If you're in the nursery next Sunday night, you're really in the nursery next Sunday afternoon uh, for our Spanish people as well. Uh, our Spanish service will dismiss and then we will have lunch for our Spanish at 2 p.m. And uh, we'll have a service out there, uh, food, and uh, we'll get everything settled. And then after that service, and I don't know the exact time, it might be 3 o'clock, it might be 2.30, we're going to come back in here for singing, testimony, and preaching time. So that's the schedule. Again, that probably didn't change your life. The Holy Spirit might not have convicted you in that brief moment of time. But now I want to talk about how we, as God's people, ministers, can be spiritually prepared for that work. Now, remember a few weeks ago, uh, we talked about how disciples, the disciples did not have what they needed before the Holy Spirit came. We said the disciples didn't have what they needed, and then the Holy Spirit came. But the problem with us is not that we don't have what we need, it's that we don't need who we have. Uh, oftentimes, we live a life as Christians that do not necessitate, or rather does not necessitate, the presence of God on your life. Well, my hope is that next Sunday demands the presence of God on your life. I hope that as you look at, at the idea of being a soul winner next Sunday afternoon at the table uh, at 12 o'clock with a random stranger you've never met, I hope that puts you in a position where you say, oh man, I need something between now and next week. I hope that's true. I hope that all of us would live in a way that necessitates the presence of the Holy Spirit on your life and on mine. And so we're going to take some time and try to remedy how do we prepare for next Sunday. And I hope to have uh, each and every church member filled with the Holy Ghost that day. I hope that you will take time and prepare yourself now through the week to be ready. If God were to, if I were to die on Sunday morning at 1058 and we said, all right, brother Jonathan, you're preaching today. My hope is that your heart would be ready. My hope is that your spirit would be yielded and that you would be ready to step in as an able minister with the gospel message on that day. And so here's what we're going to do. We've seen the schedule. Now let's take some bite-sized chunks off and examine how we can prepare for next Sunday. So we're going to start with number one. What do we do before Sunday? So we're talking about from now, maybe through Saturday. What do we do before Sunday? Number one, would you go to Proverbs chapter 18, verse number one? We'll read just a couple verses tonight, just trying to speak from a practical position as the leader uh, tonight to try to engage our church family and uh, bring them into the process of next Sunday's big day. So what do we do? How do we prepare for next Sunday? I would say number one, most importantly, Decide ahead of time that you want to be used by God on that day. 
Now, I don't know if you're tired tonight or not, but do you desire for God to use you next Sunday? I I hope you desire for God to use you next Sunday. Otherwise, you're just showing up for free food. And uh, I don't expect that to be the motive of any of the membership here tonight, especially. But my hope is that right now, it does seem a little scary. Uh, We don't maybe know all the details just yet. We've only gone over the schedule. It might seem a little scary to be the person sitting across from someone. And as, as they say, standing between heaven and hell for someone. And that's what's going to happen as a soul winner. As a soul winner, you're standing between life and death for someone. You're standing between someone's eternal judgment or eternal presence of God. Uh, and that's a scary place to be, and I totally get that. But don't you want to be the person in that position? I hope that you do. And I know that it's scary, and I know that that might dissuade you just a little bit, but there ought to be something rising up in you as a child of God if you're saved that says, no, I'd, I'd like to help someone. I'd like to rescue the perishing and care for the dying. I'd like to be the one who snatches them in pity from sin and the grave. And so I would say before next Sunday, decide ahead of time, you want to be used by God that day. Proverbs chapter 18, verse one says this, through desire, a man having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. And I don't have time to unpack that verse. I've spent entire classes unpacking that particular verse uh, kind of word by word. But the idea is we're never going to get to doing stuff that's hard if we don't start with desire. It starts with a desire to see God use us. And I hope that between now and then, you come to a place where you're in your devotions or you're walking with God or driving to work or maybe it's at the altar this evening where you just say, Lord, would you use me next week? Would you allow me to lead someone to Christ next week? Because if we don't come expecting and we don't come ready and we don't come desiring, then chances are we're just going to let somebody else take that position or assume someone else is going to take that position and then no one's going to take that position. And so I want to encourage, I want to onboard our church family, number one, to, to want to be on the front lines, to want to be used by God on that particular day. Number two, would you go to Psalm chapter tw- uh, 24? How do we prepare before next Sunday? Well, do the necessary work that enables the Holy Spirit to empower you. This goes back to what we were talking about with the disciples. The disciples didn't have the Holy Spirit, so they couldn't do it. Then they had the Holy Spirit, so they could. You and I, at the moment of salvation, receive the Holy Spirit, but oftentimes we don't use him uh, to do hard enough things. We're, we're, we're busy doing medial, mediocre things that never necessitates the presence and power of God. But I hope as you look at next Sunday, the prospect of standing between heaven and hell for someone during the invitation or during the mealtime, I hope that you realize you are going to need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Well, how do we do that, Pastor? How between now and next Sunday can I make sure the Holy Spirit of God can use me? Look what Psalm chapter 24, verse three says. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and the righteousness from the God of his salvation. Galatians 5, 16 says it this way. This I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. See, say, pastor, how am I gonna be ready to witness to someone next Sunday afternoon during lunchtime? Walk in the spirit this week. Make sure that your heart is right. Make sure that your hands are clean and your heart is pure. Make sure that you're repenting of your sin and coming to your Savior and and realizing, God, I'm sorry, I'm a sinner. I did this, I said this, I looked at this. I shouldn't have gone here. I shouldn't have treated my family this way. Father, would uh, would you bless me? Would you be present with me? Would you use me next Sunday? And yes, that's going to to take some some self-denial. It's gonna take some dying to our flesh. It's gonna take some walking in the spirit and not walking in the flesh. And so if we're gonna be prepared for next Sunday, we all recognize that requirement on the preachers, right? Hey, Brother Escobar, you better be walking with Jesus this week. You're gonna, listen, Brother Sammy is gonna bring his coworker or his family member. And if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, man, that's on you. Can I turn that ball around and say the same thing to you? 
that I'm going to try to do my very best to have clean hands and a pure heart and to walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh and try to be as, as, high, as low before the sight of God as I possibly can to try to clear my sin accounts and try to stay close to Jesus because I know the responsibility that I bear next Sunday when I stand in this pulpit, but you bear the same responsibility sitting next to that visitor next Sunday morning. So that's uncomfortable. I know, isn't it? It almost feels like we need the Holy Spirit to do this, doesn't it? It almost feels like we're going to have to maybe live a little bit differently and, and have a little bit more faith and to step out into some uncomfortable waters. And that's what I mean about needing what we have. We have the Holy Spirit. We ought to just use him and walk in that spirit. And so I would say, do the necessary work that enables you to be used by God next Sunday. Number three, how do we get prepared before Sunday? Start next Sunday morning, and this is just real practical. Start next Sunday morning, Saturday night. This is just, somebody gave my wife and I this advice years ago, and I've given it to our church since. I don't give it often. I try to preach just scripture and not give you advice, but this is a pretty solid piece of advice. The Jewish people always started their day the night before. And so uh, Sunday started on Saturday. And, and the principle for this, the Bible says that the wise man foreseeth evil and hideth himself, but the symbol pass on and are punished. Listen, go ahead and foresee some problems Sunday morning. Just go ahead and expect it. Go ahead and expect that Satan is not going to want you to get here on time that Sunday morning. Just go ahead and expect you're not going to be able to find the shoe Sunday morning at 9.58, right? Just go ahead and expect that. Go ahead and expect there to, to you, you to be out of gas on Sunday morning at, you know, 10.55. So here's what you do. Saturday, make provisions. Find the shoes. Go ahead and find your keys. Set those things out. Make sure that you're not going to end up in a dumb fight, and that's a Greek word, a dumb fight with your spouse over something that didn't matter, something you could have done the night before, something you should have done the night before. And let me just say, I know this is prep work for a big Sunday, but this ought to be prep work for all of us every single week, that we're getting our hearts ready the night before, so we're not fighting our way to church every single Sunday morning. We need the power of God on our life. And uh, the, the Bible tells, especially of a husband, if you don't dwell with your wife according to knowledge, the Lord's not going to hear you. You're not going to have a, a close enough relationship with the Holy Spirit and the Lord. So go ahead and make ready the night before. Uh, number four, how do we get ready for next Sunday? Well, I would say this, be early and be available. Be early and be available. Listen, uh, how many of you men, you've got a bunch of tools in your garage? Okay, there's some of us. i got a bunch of tools in my garage. Uh, I have the, the right tool for most every job. My grandpa left me a bunch of random, weird, you know, I mean, I showed you guys one, the finger snapper. I, I got a bunch of weird tools for every single job that I don't even understand what they do. But here's the problem. The other night, the other day, I had to fix my, uh, my grill outside, and I needed a flathead screwdriver, so I sent my wife into my garage to find the flathead screwdriver, and like four hours goes by, and she comes out, and the only flathead screwdriver she can find is like my son's, because we can't find the right tool. It's not there and available. And so let me just say this. Sunday, we need God's people ready and available. Because listen, a living dog is better than a dead lion, but a living lion is better than a living dog. That's just the facts of the matter. And so if you're here and available and ready to be used, you're probably going to get used. There's probably going to be somebody who shows up Sunday morning uh, and needs to ask questions or needs to have their questions answered. And if you're here, you're available, you are ready to be used. So submit, uh, uh, let me find where I'm at. Be early and be available. Number five, uh, next Sunday. How do we prepare for next Sunday? I would, I would submit to you that we need to be prepared to yield to the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. I am fully convinced that the Holy Spirit desires to orchestrate next Sunday. I know the Holy Spirit desires to orchestrate right now. So again, nothing I'm saying for next week doesn't apply to this service. I know for sure the Holy Spirit desires to orchestrate next week. He's been drawing and working in your neighbors and your family and your friends and their circumstances coming up in their lives. And he's bringing them to this moment of conversion, Lord willing, for next Sunday. And if not next Sunday, like Peter, man, the next time they come, we'll just trust the Lord's going to do something. But the fact of the matter is the only one who can orchestrate all the moving parts is not me. I'm not a good enough administrator of that. 
Because I'm not gonna notice that person sitting by themselves when I'm over here talking to this person. But when the Holy Spirit calls your number and says, hey, hey, you see that person right there? Go talk to them. I can't orchestrate that. I'm not, I'm not omnipresent in your life and, and the, your, your, your friend is not omnipresent in your life. You need to let the Holy Spirit of God convict you and say, hey, go sit with that person. Hey, go ahead and stand up and give your seat to this person. Hey, go ahead and find that person after the service. And, and you know what? Go ahead and ask them the question. If they know they were to die today, they go to heaven. And just let the Holy Spirit of God guide you. Let him be the one that convicts you. And uh, I hope you've experienced this. Just the other day, I was driving home and I was stopping at gas in Arco over here. And there's the, she sits there still. I see her all the time uh, selling flowers on the corner near the 7-Eleven there. And I was pumping gas and man, the Holy Spirit just said, go give her a track. And, and again, I don't tell you that, that I've been, there've been plenty of times where I've not done that, but I don't know how God's going to use that. It's just my job to yield to it and let him do it. And so I don't know who God's going to have you talk to or who God's going to have you pray with or who God's going to have you maybe ask some questions and, and go a little bit deeper with. But I know this, if you'll let the Holy Spirit lead you and I try to let the Holy Spirit lead me, he's gonna have his will and way and do a far better job with next Sunday than any of us could ever try to fabricate or would ever want to fabricate. So number five, submit to the leading of the Holy Spirit now and through next week and really every day of your life, obviously. Number six, how do we prepare? Well, get a stack of tracks this week, okay? You're all gonna talk to, we're all gonna talk to people this week. I talked to a lady this morning at Starbucks at six o'clock in the morning uh, when I picked up my coffee on the way to the office. And, and thank God I had tracks right there in the door from Saturday's soul winning time, I was able to give her one of those. Uh, carry a stack of tracks with you. Just talk to the people, your, your, your grocer uh, at the grocery store, the, the, the checker at Vaughn's, the, the, the person you're picking up coffee from, your neighbor, the mail person. If you have it on you, you can use it. And it's better to, to have and not need than to need and not have. There's a security workers meeting next week. I will say this, that security workers meeting is sub to what we're going to do that afternoon. And so I want you to come and be a part of that. But we're not going to hide behind the security workers meeting. We're going to go out and we're going to go out and canvas and we're going to go out and door knock and we're going to go out and get those invitations out. Give Jesus the whole weekend. Would you do that? And uh, we will give work the whole weekend, won't we? I mean, we got a big project coming up. We got a big deadline. I'm sorry, babe. I got to stay late. I got to get these things done. We got priorities. Well, how, how, why would we let it be any different with for spiritual things? If the Holy Spirit says, well, give me Saturday and give me Sunday and let me use you. And I know Sunday is going to be a long day. And I know you're going to be here from early in the morning till late in the afternoon, but go ahead and just give it to Jesus. We get tired for the world and we get tired for money and we exhaust ourselves for all manner of things. We ought to be willing to do that for Jesus as well. Uh, I would say number seven, how do we prepare for next Sunday? Familiarize yourself with the text I'm preaching. Would you go to John chapter three? Here's what I want you to do. Again, you're going to be the one handling this on the invitation level. And I'm not going to have a public prayer. I'm not going to do any of that. I'm going to let God's people work uh, during the invitation. So familiarize yourself with what's going to be preached. And I don't normally tell you what my text is going to be, but I, again, I want you to be co-laborers in this process. Uh, treat this passage like it's your source material for the week, if you will. Like there's an exam coming on Sunday and uh, you can utilize these passages to bring the gospel to them as you talk with them. So John chapter number three, I will talk briefly about Nicodemus. Nicodemus, a Pharisee. And uh, Nicodemus has sincere questions about who Jesus is and uh, about how to be saved. And this is the, the, the passage where he says, do I go back into my mother's womb and be reborn again? How, how does a man be born again? And John chapter three, verse 14 says this, Christ answers him. Here's my text for next Sunday. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the son of man must be lifted up. So here's the, the whole thing. 
we're looking at true purpose. Next Sunday, I'm going to establish from the Bible what the true purpose of Christ was. And uh, I don't know how you were growing up. I didn't grow up in church. And I'll use some of this illustration. I didn't grow up in church. I did not know the purpose of Jesus at all. Um, I was telling Brother Hunter the other day, uh, I, I, would, I asked my mom when I was a kid, why did Jesus come? And I got the, either my mom gave me the crazy answer, or I just heard it crazy. I was under the impression all the way through teenage years that Jesus came and died so that babies wouldn't have to die. I think my mom either conflated the story of Herod and the, and the, the two-year-olds, or I conflated it in my own mind. I had no concept of the true purpose of Jesus Christ. And so here we're going to see the true purpose of Jesus Christ is that he must be lifted up. Verse 15, and whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And here is the purpose, ready? Verse 17, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him, here's the purpose, might be saved. So how in the world do I get saved? He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. That's my text for next week. That's what I'm gonna preach next week. You know where we're going with this. You can look at these passages and keep a ribbon in these passages. And so as I preach, I'm gonna drive, I'm gonna try to put the theology out there. I'm gonna try to make it as clear as possible. I'm gonna try to walk through uh, the the idea of belief in heart and confession with mouth and the calling upon the Lord. I'm gonna try to walk through this as clear as I possibly can and in hopes that God's people are seated in the area nearby and able to help them make that decision. So question one, what can we do before Sunday? Here's question number two. What can we do before service starts on Sunday? So most of what I just talked about was what we can do Monday through Sunday morning. Now I want to talk about what we can do Sunday morning. Number one, I would say reach out to your guests that morning. Send a text message. uh, Maybe ask for their coffee order and say, hey, what, what can I get you from Starbucks? I'll meet you in the parking lot at 1045 with your coffee. Uh, There's ways to be able to encourage them to come. I would say number two, and we're just going to get real kind of nuts and bolts here. Don't save seats, okay? Don't save seats that morning. Uh, Wait in the wings. Let let the guests take the seats. Uh, uh, Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others and esteem others better than ourselves. Don't save seats, if you will. Uh, Number three, avoid taking the most accessible seats. Now you say, again, this is not just big day stuff. This is like normal church stuff, uh, church family. Uh, on Sunday, we ought to leave some of the more accessible seats to our guests and our visitors. In fact, we had it this morning and my heart I grieved. We had two first-time visitors who'd never walked in the doors of Faith Baptist Church have to walk and sit on the second row during the morning service because all of the accessible seats, and I know that it was full in here, uh, but oftentimes what'll happen is the, the back seats or the, the corner seats will all get filled up really quickly. That's gonna make it very uncomfortable for someone who's never been in our building. Um, have you ever considered this? And maybe you haven't. When you're a visitor, if you walk in the doors right here, you're actually walking into the middle of the auditorium. You know how weird that is? Like you probably never, that probably never bothered you, but we walked through as a staff one time and we're like, how does it feel to walk on the property as the first time? You know, for, for most of us, we did that a decade ago or something like that. But a visitor walks in, if service has already started, they got a whole bunch of people already behind them. And then they get walked up to the front. That's very uncomfortable. That is not conducive to feeling comfortable in an auditorium. So avoid taking the most accessible seats. Number four, what can we do Sunday morning before service starts? Find a visitor to sit by them. Find a visitor. We are setting the stage in the invitation uh, when we choose to sit by them. Now, listen, your best friend's going to be fine without you, okay? You can sit with them next week. Um, just, just ask. It's not scary. I'm sure it feels uncomfortable, but it's more scary for them. Just go ahead and ask, hey, can I sit with you? 
And uh, that might feel awkward, but I promise you this, it's more awkward for them to sit by themselves. And so set it up ahead of time. Hey, can I sit with you? Hey, do you want to sit with my family? Go ahead and invite them. A friendly face is a welcoming sight in a sea of strangers. What can we do on Sunday to get ready? Number five, learn the new person's name and use it. Um, I am trash with names, okay? You know that church family. I can't even remember our own staff members' names. And I struggle with that. But here's the thing. When you can use someone's name in a conversation or during the invitation, after the service, you got their name in the beginning. Hey, can I sit with you, Jeremy? And now the service goes on and pastor's preaching and man, God's working. And we go to the invitation and Jeremy raises his hand. Well, now you're not on the other side of the auditorium. You're sitting next to Jeremy. And now you know Jeremy's name. Hey, Jeremy, can I help you with that? There's a personal connection there. Just trying to be wise about this. Learn that person's name. Uh, I'm bad at it, so next week I'll have a three-by-five card and a pencil right here to write down those names because I want to be able to talk to them at the, uh, the table out there. Listen, all of this is good advice, like I said, for every single Sunday. At some point, we all have to decide, am I coming to be served or am I coming to serve? Am I coming to church so that people help me find a seat or am I coming to church to help other people find a seat? Am I coming to make, uh, so that folks make me feel welcome or am I coming to welcome folks into the family of God and help them on their spiritual journey? So number one, before Sunday comes, prepare yourself spiritually. Number two, before service starts, stage yourself intentionally. Be close by, be nearby, know who you're sitting with, stage yourself intentionally. And then number three, and this is probably the most important uh, thing we're gonna talk about tonight is what do we do during the invitation? Number one, utilize the personal connection that you've already made. Hopefully by this time, you already know their name. Hopefully by this time, you're already sitting close to them. Hopefully by this time, you've already started building some kind of relationship and rapport with them so that when you begin to talk to them about their never dying soul and the eternal nature of heaven and hell, it's not just some random stranger uh, that they just met in the middle of a head bowed and eyes closed moment, but it's someone they talked to and someone they got their name and someone, oh man, I I used to work in that place too. And I don't make stuff up just to identify with people, but hopefully there's some level of connection there. Uh, utilize. So what do we do during the invitation? Utilize your personal connection. Number two. And again, I, I haven't even talked about it, but maybe it's a family member. Maybe your best friend came. Maybe it's a coworker. There's already a personal connection there. Number two, what do you do during the invitation? Peek. Okay. Pay attention. S- see what God is doing. Now, obviously you can't see inside their heart, but if their hand raises, you say, Hey, listen, if you're here today and you'd like to know how you can trust Christ as your savior, would you slip your hand up? If that hand goes up, listen to me, church family, that is a you asked for it invitation. That is a, I'd like to be safe. Someone come and talk to me. Don't make me say, hey, 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 uh, uh, you, the person next to you. Just do it. Just go right after it. Begin to share the gospel with them. But you say, well, what if there's no hand? What do we do? Well, I would say this. Number three, initiate a quiet conversation in their chairs. Just begin to ask them a question. This is why proximity is best. You imagine you're a visitor, no one talked to you. You came in, you got sat in the front row, invitations going on. Some six foot two dude walks up to you in the middle of head bowed and eyes closed and says, hey, are you going to hell? That's uncomfortable. But if they already met you and you know them and you just lean over during the invitation and say, hey, do you know for sure if you die today, you go to heaven? Well, no, I, I really don't know. Now you're beginning the conversation. Now, listen, if they're ready to, to call out in faith, then help them call out in faith. Uh, like I said, hopefully we'll have already established with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made known unto salvation. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hopefully they're ready and all you have to do is reap. But I will say this, um, if they are ready to accept the gospel, but they have questions, uh, and we'll talk about this as well in a minute, 
we are going to utilize the food service and the tables for that. And I'll tell you how we would do that in a minute. Um, I would tell you this right now, put your ribbon in, in uh, Romans chapter number 10. If someone is, you're, you're talking with someone during the invitation and you want some verses that you want to read that are concise and succinct in one specific place, I would highlight Romans 10, 10 through 10, 13. This is a great passage that deals with how someone does actually pass from death to life. They need to understand the theology of who Christ is. I'm hopeful to do that for them. They need to understand the theology of who they are uh, as sinners. I'm hopeful to do that for them. They need to understand that there must be a belief in them and that there must be a confession with their mouth and a calling unto Jesus. And my hope is that they'll be ready for that. But here's a fantastic passage to read to help them should you be the one witnessing to them in that moment. Romans 10.10 says this, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. He's able to save. Verse 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So let me just real quickly handle how to help someone Go from I'm ready to be saved to I am saved. Well, let me say this. It's not a hocus pocus prayer. It's not a one, two, three, repeat after me. It's not a superstitious thing that if you say it exactly right, then somehow you crack the code and now they are saved. It is simply when someone prays for salvation, it is simply an invitation for them to confess and place faith in Jesus Christ as their savior. Uh, It doesn't need to be more complicated than that. You look at the people who got saved through the scriptures. Here's Peter, right, this morning, throws his head on his knees and says, depart from me, I'm a sinful man, right? The thief on the cross, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And so here's how I approach it, and you might approach it slightly different, and that's okay, but I think this is a very reasonable and theologically sound way to do it. If I'm talking to someone during an invitation or if I'm talking to somebody out of the door, here's what I always ask. I always ask them a series of do you believe questions. And if, again, you're taking notes, that's a good, good thing to write down. I always take them through a series of do you believe questions. I'll say, and I'll go through the gospel again. Do you believe, Jeremy, that you are a sinner? Well, I do. You know what that is? That's confession with the mouth. Do, do you believe that Christ died in your place? I, I believe. Do you believe that Jesus would save you if you called upon him? I, I do believe. And here's what I do, uh, and, and I, I've come up, uh, I, I've kind of gone back and forth on my own soul winning on this. I always try to invite them to pray themselves first, out loud, obviously, um, because here, here's the thing. If you're careful enough, and if I'm careful enough in the preaching, and you're careful enough, and you say, man, I need the power of God for next week. You're getting it, right? If you're careful enough next week, it's you witness to them, and they understand that, hey, you need to just call out to Jesus and tell him that you're a sinner and that, that you know he died for you and that you ask him for mercy. Then if they've paid attention and the Spirit of God is working in them, then they ought to be able to, from a faith in their own heart, be able to express that with their own mouth. Now, you say, what if they're, they don't understand it? Well, here's what I would say first. I would say take them outside. Go through the, the line, grab the food before service time starts, before the serving line starts. Go grab a seat and walk them through it to maybe where they can pray. But if they're still like, I don't, I don't know how to pray by myself, I'm afraid to do that. Well, then you can't lead them through a sinner's prayer. I don't think there's anything unbiblical about that. So long as it is their own, so long as they are understanding that they are confessing with their mouth, the Lord Jesus, that God has raised him from the dead, that he is the savior of humanity. But again, I would invite you to be spiritually prepared to help someone make that decision. And this brings us to our next kind of what to do. So if you're talking to them and there's a quiet conversation, they either raise their hand or you initiated the conversation and they need more help, what do we do? Here's what I want to tell you to do. And I'm giving you permission right now. So food service people, just get over it. So let's say Brother Bob is witnessing to this person and they say, well, I, I, I've got more questions. Here's what I want Brother Bob to do. 
I want Brother Bob to say, hey, Jeremy, would you come with me? And I want Brother Bob, Brother Jeremy, during the invitation to walk out, to go through the food service line, grab their food, and find a seat at the table and go through the gospel. That's the whole reason we're having the food service line. That's the whole reason we're having food in the first place, to be able to sit and have a conversation about the gospel. And so listen, um, use the table time to go over the gospel. Now, I will say this too, be mindful of their family. Uh, be mindful they might have kids to pick up. And so let them do that. Just say, hey, Jeremy, you know, he's like, oh, I got kids. Okay, well, let's go get them and let's get them through the line and let's go grab a seat under the, under the tree over here and let's continue the conversation. There's no need to get frantic or panicky. Okay, Jesus can stand on his own two feet. We've talked a lot about that. There's no need to be like, but if, if, if I let him go for just a second, they're not gonna get saved. Well, listen, if the Holy Spirit is genuinely working in their heart, they're gonna wanna get saved and he's gonna take care of that process between here and between the table. You just gotta be faithful to tell him to come and see the man that told me all things ever I did. And again, I really truly do believe that. Let Jesus stand on his own two feet. Uh, you don't need to drag him back into a secret corner where nobody can come and talk to him. Just allow the spirit of God to work in their hearts. And again, this is why it's so important that I be filled with the Holy Spirit next week and you be filled with the Holy Spirit next week. Because if he's gonna orchestrate this whole thing, He's going to have to orchestrate a lot of moving parts and a lot of people who aren't saved. And so my prayer and my hope is that all of us would be yielded to the Holy Spirit. So question number one, what do we do before Sunday comes? Well, prepare yourself spiritually. Question number two, before service starts on Sunday morning, you should stage yourself intentionally. Number three, what do we do during the invitation? Engage. Just be engaged. Be ready, be willing, be yielded. Number four, what do we do during the mealtime? Okay, so now we're outside. We're having our war room meeting right now. I'm trying to help you know what to do out there. Number one, if you are witnessing to someone, like I said, feel free to leave, grab your food and go through the line before it's even open. Um, you have my blessing, <clears throat> excuse me, in that. Number two, if you are not working with a visitor or with someone who is being saved, go ahead and lay back and let them go through first, okay? Um, uh, help give them some time for, for them to hear the gospel. Don't take up all the seats. And Well, I saved this for all of my family, Go ahead and again, let, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves, Philippians 2, 3. Number three, I would say during the mealtime, be mindful of the conversations you have at the table. Um, if you're walking up to a table and there's people being witnessed to, you can sit at that table, you know? Uh, don't be like, hey guys, what you talking about, right? But be respectful. Um, I would be careful with our conversation. Don't walk up and blow the conversation out of the water, you know? Like, man, did you see some, some visitor came with a Biden sticker on his truck? It's probably that guy right there. Just be mindful of the conversations that are going on around you. Uh, the purpose is not just fellowship. We got plenty of time to fellowship as a church family. The purpose is evangelism. We want our friends. Because again, someone, and I hope someones, I hope many someones in the room right now are praying for a mom. They're praying for a friend. They're praying for a coworker. And everything's on the line, like Andrew this morning, where I'm gonna bring them and I hope they get saved. Let's do our very best to be yielded vessels so that God might be able to use us in some way, shape, or form, be that even just moving chairs or getting things kind of out of the way or solving problems. My hope is that God can use us all. Number four, what do we do during the meal? I would say help collect visitors' cards. Um, we want to follow up on these people. We want not just to add, not to add them to the church, but if they didn't get saved, we want to follow up with them on Tuesday night or Saturday morning the next week and say, hey, did you get a chance to trust Christ as Savior? No, I wanted to, but I mean, that's a great opportunity opportunity. So help collect visitors cards. Just say, did you, were you able to turn that in? Let me, let me get you a cup and get that turned in for you. Number five, make sure no one sits alone at lunch. Um, again, we got to decide if we're here for us or we're here for people. And uh, uh, that we, we have a rule and uh, our staff is never at a church event. They are never supposed to sit at the same table. You might not have noticed that. You might've noticed that. That is a rule. I can't make that a rule for you. I kind of wish I could though. I kind of wish I could say, hey, don't just sit with your best friends when there's people to be, to be witnessed to. 
Don't just huddle up together on an Easter service when there's people who don't know anybody in the auditorium. Uh, We would do well to think in terms of, am I here for me or am I here for other people? Um, Make sure no one sits alone. Number six, make conversation, but bend it towards spiritual things. Um, You you don't just need to jump in the table and be like, so what do you think about uh, Hebrews chapter seven, the priesthood of Melchizedek, right? It doesn't have to all be all that spiritual, but you know, if you're talking about things, just bend it towards spirituality. Like, hey, so did you grow up in church? Begin talking about spiritual things that will help bring to the gospel. Um, Let me say this before I move to my last one. Uh, Be extremely hospitable, not a rule enforcer. If a visitor wants a second cookie, do not pile drive them to the ground. Like, no, pastor said one cookie. Let them have a second cookie. I don't really care. (laughs) I don't care if they have 53 cookies. for, for It does not matter at all. Make sure that our, our, we are being hospitable. We're not just making sure that everything runs smooth, online, in track. We're here for people, not a process, okay? And that's hard for me because my nature is very process-driven. My nature is very like, we got a system in place. We got organization. Everything needs to run smoothly. There's no cogs in the, you know, we're gonna make sure everything works. But again, we're here for people, not a process. And then let me end with this. What do we do? Actually, I got two more. I'm sorry, they're real quick. What do we do during the Spanish big day slot? Let me say, if you're bilingual, You're on double duty that day. God has given you a special gift to be able to minister twice as much that day. And I wish I had that ability. Um, I'm going to be involved in that process. But the fact of the matter is, if you're bilingual, you're on double duty. Let me say this. If you're not bilingual, smiles transcend language barriers. You can still be kind. You can still nod. You can still wave at them. Um, You can learn how to say welcome, bien vendidos, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, you can learn how to say hello in Spanish. You can be gracious because the love of Christ transcends language barriers. I'd say number three, uh, we need hands to the plow, resetting uh, and getting ready to cook and serve and so forth. So there's stuff for you to do. And then number four, I hate to say it, but I got to say it. It's probably the most like unspiritual, but most practical thing I have to say. During the Spanish service, be mindful of your volume, okay? Um, It is the easiest thing in the world to hear through this wall. And so if all of our kids are playing right here, wall ball against the auditorium wall, Brother Escobar is going to have a very hard time keeping attention. And Brother Escobar is better at keeping attention, no doubt. Like he's probably less distractible than I am. I'm like the world's most distractible person. Um, But it is extremely difficult when people are having a good laughing time five feet on the other side of that wall, and I can hear them during the invitation. So... Moms and dads, be mindful of our children. Be mindful of our, our conversations. We're going to push real far that direction. There'll be some cooking and things over here, uh, but don't make, me be, don't make me be the rule enforcer because I will. Uh, I, I, what is happening in this auditorium supersedes any conversation uh, about the football game or whatever that we might have out here. So be mindful of our volume. So what do we do? And this is it. I promise I'm done. What do we do after Sunday morning is over? Well, I would say, number one, stick around for the Sunday afternoon service, and uh, there will be preaching. I wish I could tell you what time that service is going to be. I don't know. Spanish service, meals probably at two, and so my guess is it'd probably be somewhere close to three. Stick around for that. Uh, I would say, number two, what do we do after Sunday's over? We need your help following up. Um, We're going to have, Lord willing, a stack of visitors cards who either need to get saved or need to get baptized or need to get into discipleship or need a church where they can grow and hear all things whatsoever he's commanded us. And uh, so that following Saturday is a great time to follow up. We'll have some follow-up on Tuesday night if you're willing to come out and join us with that as well. Uh, number three, and this is it, press, how do we follow up on, on that sat, when that Sunday's over? Press the sermon series. What's different about this Sunday, again, it's not hot dogs and hot Cheetos for Jesus. We, we genuinely want to help someone understand what's the true purpose of Christ. And then once we know the true purpose of Christ, I can then answer the question of who am I? 
So this is actually a sermon series. True Purpose is not just one Sunday. It's a sermon series of four weeks. And so Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, we are gonna hand this out and it just says, who am I? It's the name card kind of thing. I think you recognize that. And they're supposed to hold on to this through the week and ask the question. So if I know who Jesus is, then who am I? So the purpose of the following Sunday is the true purpose of man. What's the true purpose of Christ? If we can establish that, we will have a far better chance of answering what is my purpose? What is my created purpose in this life? And so I wanna encourage our church family to onboard, to be a part of the process, to be engaged, to take ownership, to take responsibility, to stand between heaven and hell for a lost person, to have the courage to walk purely and walk in the spirit this week and not fulfill the lust of the flesh so that God might be able to pour his spirit out on you and you might be able to help someone pass from death to life. This is a spiritual warfare and the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are spiritual and they can pull down strongholds. They're mighty through God, but we need to avail ourselves to the anointing and presence of God's spirit in us as we minister. So we have a responsibility next week. We have responsibility. And again, like I said, I'll say it and I'll end. I know that you want me to have the power of God and I I ask you'll pray for me for that and Brother Escobar as well. But I'm praying that you will have the power of God as well this week. That as you get ready for the invitation, that your heart is ready your spirit is willing, your flesh has been crucified, you are ready to stand in the gap during that invitation time. Let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. And then we'll have a brief moment of, we have some signups and some things that we'll need after prayer. Father, I thank you, God, for your goodness to us.